Welcome back to our AOC PMNR podcast. Uh, my name is Lok Lim, and I'm a fourth-year student doctor uh, and a co-chair for the AOC PMNR Public Relations. I will be the host for the podcast today. And uh, with me here is Dr. Jonathan uh, Reisman. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Reisman. Thank you for being here with us today. Oh, thank you for having me. It's an honor and a pleasure. Uh, it was really wonderful. Uh, when we first spoke, uh, we spoke about the podcast. Um, and yeah, I was excited uh, and happy for the opportunity. Thank you so much again. Uh, before we go ahead with some questions, I just want to introduce a little bit about you uh, to the audience. Is that okay, Dr. Uh, Reisman? Sure, absolutely. Okay. So Dr. Jonathan Reisman is a third-year resident at University of Minnesota Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation Department. He treats patients with brain injury, spinal cord, sport injuries, as well as chronic pain. He is on the educator track at his residency program. He is the founder of Phone PMNR, uh, which stands for Free Open Access Medical Education in Physical Medicines and Rehabilitations. And you can access his website at phonebmnr.com. He also has a YouTube channel called Talking Health with Dr. John medicine, rehab, fitness. He's used to be in a band, can play multiple instruments. Uh, he's also a husband and a father of two daughters. He loves Disney World and the band Red Hot Chili Peppers. So do these descriptions like fairly describing you, Dr. Reisman? Uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty accurate. I have um, one daughter and one child on the way. That's the only, uh, uh, you might have said two two daughters. Oh there. yeah, I, I, um, I said two two yeah, daughters. Yeah, but that's okay. Uh, no problem. If it's a girl, then 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 you'll be a. Prophet. Okay, so okay. so uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah. But otherwise, everything a hundred percent accurate. Uh, yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, doing, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, all right, thank you again for being here with us today. So sure. we, I'm just going ahead with uh, some questions uh, to continue with the podcast. So in my research for this podcast, I came across uh, an interesting response that you gave in the University of Minnesota Resident Spotlight back in like February of this year. The question was that, uh, what drew you in BMNR? And your response, and I quote, uh, what didn't draw me to BMNR is a better question. And I found this response to be very clever because you basically said that BMR has nothing that you did not like. So how did you come to love this field so much? And could you describe your journey in discovering and matching into this specialty? Yes, uh, absolutely. Um, so uh, growing up, I was interested in sports. Uh, I was interested uh, in high school. I knew I wanted to be a physician. I sort of just thought I would want to be an orthopedist because that was kind of what I knew from medicine and uh, seemingly would be most closely related to my interests. Um, and then over the course of time, uh, in college, I got interested a little bit more in the mind, psychology. Um, I did go to uh, Hebrew school growing up throughout my whole education. So I studied quite a bit of uh, biblical texts and I got interested in the mind, the spirit. Uh, was obviously a nice fit for an osteopathic school, uh, that being the case. Um, and the thing was, before I started medical school, I had an opportunity to do this shadow program where I was with orthopedic uh, surgery residents for two weeks. And I learned that while I thought that surgery was fascinating, I don't really think myself that I would want to be a surgeon. Um, and so as someone actually once mentioned to me, 
uh, I think you would like to be a physiatrist. And uh, to be honest, I didn't know what that was and um, kind of just went about my business. And then actually at my white coat ceremony, I had gotten married about a week prior. And at the day of my white coat ceremony, there was a club fair. And uh, my wife came over to me and she said, I think I saw something that you want to do. And I went over there and it was this, you know, they were presenting on the PM&R club. Uh, and it was exactly like if you were to just describe my interests, what I like to do, how I like to spend my time, uh, it was a really a perfect fit. So really from the from my white coat ceremony on uh, throughout all of medical school, I knew that I wanted to do PM&R. Uh, the only other consideration at all was psychiatry. Uh, and that's sort of that mind component. But I do find that uh, there's quite a bit in, of that in PM&R as well. Wow, that's quite an interesting journey you have. And uh, I'm glad that you found the, well, I would say the best view uh, out there, uh, especially if you're interested in the wholesome aspect of treating patients. Uh, that's an interest, very, very uh, interesting story you had there. And uh, so right now, I know that you're at the University of Minnesota VA Physical Medicine Rehab. Uh, mm -hmm. So what do you like most about your current residency program? Uh, so yeah, there's a lot that I love about it. Uh, I'm actually from the East Coast. I grew up in uh, New Jersey, 20 minutes out of New York. So uh, to move, you know, halfway across the country with uh, my wife and uh, we have, uh, at the time, our daughter was about a year and a half. Uh, you know, I really had to love the program. And when I came on the interview uh, to the University of Minnesota, when I was rotate, uh, going through the interview trail, I know this year will be a little different with uh, the computer trail. But uh, at the time, you know, I got here and I called my wife afterwards and I said, I really, really liked it. You know, it was really, a, we had a lot of decisions uh, ahead of ourselves. But um, what I love about the program, there's similar to PM&R, there, there are really so many things. One off the bat, uh, there's a very large family feel to the program. Um, our program director, Dr. Tonkin, he makes it very clear that if something is not right in your life, whether it's your personal life, your family life, like you have to take care of that first before you do anything else. Uh, they make it very easy for us to have a good life, a good work-life balance. But the thing that's really wonderful at the same time is I think that sometimes programs that are uh, heavily, heavily family-oriented, you can get the impression that there might be on the academic side a little less intense uh, and vice versa. A very intense academic program might be a little bit less family-oriented, family-friendly, but this program really provides both. Uh, so I like that off the bat. Uh, the program has many fellowships. Uh, I believe there are eight different fellowship positions available with uh, four or five graduating residents per year. Nothing is guaranteed, obviously, but you have an opportunity, whatever your interest is, we have almost all the different fellowships. Um, and uh, our residents are great. The, uh, Minnesota is great. It's a wonderful place to live. Uh, but really our leadership, Dr. Tonkin, he, uh, he has an open door policy. Um, I know that there are many different uh, PM&R departments where there are quite a few uh, barriers to entry into the program director's office, uh, you know, a secretary, a different hallway to go down. And you just, any time of day, you walk right in, say what's on your mind. And uh, for myself personally, that's been a really wonderful opportunity for us to kind of start a lot of projects, a lot of research, a lot of different things, because you have everything at your, at your fingertips. And the program really encourages you to develop yourself individually, as well as help contribute to the program development. Wow, Sailor Line, you found a very 
very great program. And I also attend uh, the couple sessions from the University of Minnesota as well. And I can tell that it's a very impressive program. And Dr. Uh, the director, Dr. Tonkin, is very nice director, program director as well. And he's very involved with, especially the residency fair as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, that, I'm, I'm very glad that you, you uh, choose the right program for you. Oh, and, thank you. Um, and I just have one, one more question regarding your program. Sure. So how did the program adapt to the COVID-19 situations? So uh, our program adapted in many different stages and in many ways we're still adapting. You know, it's, it's constantly an evolving scenario. And uh, another thing about our program that's really great is we have so many different training sites um, all of the different uh, major hospital systems here we're affiliated with. Um, and as a result, we you know, it's hard enough to understand COVID policies in one institution, but we have to keep track of all of the different ones because depending on which site you're rotating at, there could be a very different reality. So off the bat, our program uh, leadership made it very clear that our safety is a priority. Uh, we were told that in the event that we are pulled to go uh, work in ICUs or anything like that, if there's ever a situation where we feel that we are not safe, you know, that's it. Like it stops right there. So uh, we we had a lot of support. Um, and uh, this was a time that's very anxiety producing for the entire country and certainly healthcare providers. So it felt good to just know that, you know, whatever would happen, our program will have our back. We're not going to get in trouble if we feel uncomfortable in a situation. That being the case, uh, we did have many opportunities to brush up on our education of various uh, acute management. Should that end up happening, we, uh, the entire state of Minnesota did a really good job of shutting down early before it became an emergency situation. So uh, our outpatient and elective rotations immediately were suspended and our program actually came up uh, rather than just, you know, reacting to the situation, uh, we um, came up with ways to make our program even better during the situation. So we started to work very hard on a virtual rotation for medical students. Um, and so residents who were on those elective rotations that were shut down uh, were contributing towards that. Uh, we devised a whole new system of a consult rotation and uh, rotating through various things. Uh, and I think key to all of that is communication because there's so many different moving parts. And no matter what, this is not a good situation, you know, with the pandemic. But if you have good communication back and forth, then uh, you make things as good as possible. Uh, and so every time we have meetings, we're discussing at each individual site uh, how things are going. Our administrators uh, and program coordinators and uh, and uh, educators, uh, they started sending out daily or I think every other day um, surveys to monitor our stress levels to keep track of if everything's okay with us so that they can make sure things are going well. So I think they really took care of us uh, and, and made us feel safe and at the same time provided high level education. Uh, any of our didactics that we were gonna be having, uh, different rotations have different didactics. So besides for our weekly program didactics, so those were held over Zoom. So for instance, I was on my EMG rotation uh, while my EMG rotation stopped in the middle of the rotation, two days of, that, of the week at seven o'clock in the morning, we have EMG didactics. So we continued those individually over Zoom in between the attending and myself and the other EMG residents. So uh, we prioritized education, prioritized safety, and uh, in short, you know, used it as an opportunity just to grow from it and create a better product for ourselves. 
Oh, I see. Wow, the program really very proactive in uh, tackling this COVID problem and help out with the residents as well. That's that's uh, very uh, helpful for them and very supportive from the programs. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very impressed with that, uh, especially on the detail that you gave us as well, oh, and how exactly sure. they do it. Yeah. And uh, so BMNR is a diverse view with diverse specialty. Mm-hmm. Based on my uh, research on you, uh, based on the description that what, what you put on your YouTube video, uh, I might assume that you are mostly interested in brain, spinal cord, sport injuries, and chronic pain. What makes you focus more on these topics in BMNR? And do you have even a more broader topic that you want to focus on as well? Uh, sure. Uh, yeah. So um, as far as that goes, I am interested in all those topics. Similar, um, you know, to the mind, body, spirit, you know, uh, scheme of understanding things. Um, there are a lot of, uh, uh, you know, for instance, orthopedics. I find ACL repair fascinating. The different graft options, the different way to do the surgery. That's intellectual for me. I like to talk about it. I like to read about it. But I would not want to be doing the surgery. So my mind is there in terms of passion, but in terms of how I want to use my hands, it's not as a surgeon. Uh, I like interventional pain and I can see myself, uh, it's fun for me. It's really a lot of, um, it's a puzzle. You have to rotate the anatomy in uh, 3D dimensions. Uh, I very much think it's a direct um, extension of osteopathic manipulative medicine, what you're doing during in the interventional suite. Um, I like that. So that's kind of how I want to spend my time physically. At the same time, I, while I'm under, you know, I appreciate the emotional, spiritual aspects of pain besides for just physical, uh, you know, so in chronic pain, there's a lot of counseling and there's a lot of understanding uh, certain events that maybe cause the pain that the patient is not even aware of. Uh, but as far as spinal cord, brain injury, stroke, uh, to name a few, uh, those are areas that interest me. Uh, I like to talk about them. I like to speak to them. I like to counsel patients about them. They are less hands-on from a physical sense. Uh, so um, really, if it was up to me, I would not even have to choose one area to go into because I will participate in lots of these different areas. And one thing that's been very exciting for me about foam PMR uh, is that I see myself uh, having an opportunity to stay involved in all of the different academic areas of PMNR while I might, uh, you know, as of now, I'm pursuing a fellowship uh, for pain, uh, but, you know, I don't want to close the door on my TBI knowledge or my spinal cord injury knowledge, uh, and those patients are going to have pain, and I'm going to treat them with my pain hat on, um, but uh, in a sense, it's really just, you know, that same analogy. You have different parts of your personality and different things that you like to do, um, so I don't, I, I try in my life to not leave anything out on the table. I try to, you know, incorporate all of them. I see. That's a really good mindset to have there, especially like uh, for anyone, I, I would say, like uh, want to go into the BMNR field. So we just end with asking you about uh, your interests, like uh, specifically in the specialty. Uh, sure. So now I just want to get a quick, fun uh, BMNR questions uh, that, uh, before we can explore another topic. So uh, what is the one common myth about BMNR that, uh, that you want to debunk on this podcast? Um, well, I would say, uh, the first one is that it's not physical medicine. Uh, it's not physical therapy. Uh, that's probably anytime you speak to somebody about doing PMNR, if they're not educated about it, they'll assume you're a physical therapist. Um, but, uh, I guess, um, 
more so than that, I guess specifically amongst uh, people who know a bit more about PM&R, uh, myth that I would say is that it stands for plenty of money and relaxation. I don't know if you ever heard that, but people say as a joke, oh, PM&R stands for plenty of money and relaxation. Um, I can't comment about the money side. Uh, I'm a resident. I don't focus as much on that, but uh, it's not, uh, you know, plenty of relaxation. If you want to take it very seriously and you want to, you know, make a wonderful career out of yourself, I, I, there are times that I don't go to sleep until two o'clock in the morning um, because I'm working on so many different things. PM&R is wonderful in that the, uh, you might not, you know, in our program, we don't have to take call at overnight in the hospital. We can do it from home. So yeah, technically uh, I could be home by five o'clock in the evening. And if I was just going to get home and watch TV for five hours, then it would be plenty of relaxation. But uh, you know, today is Sunday that we're talking uh, where, you know, we're doing this, um, you know, tomorrow I'll be doing something else. So I think it's a, it's an opportunity, uh, to have plenty of relaxation, but it's also a wonderful opportunity to accomplish so many really great things. It's a really large playing field. The field is booming and there's really a lot that you can do and keep yourself quite busy. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you that people will say it's a plenty of relaxation, but what you can do with that, uh, that hours you have is more important than, uh, than using that just for relaxation. Mm -hmm. And uh, I very admire you that you that own that hour to work like a lot of things that uh, uh, like your YouTube channel, your phone BMR and like uh, make it uh, very uh, helpful to other people as well. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And uh, another unique characteristic that I found in the resident spotlight about uh, that you, you gave uh, is that you chose to pursue the educated track within your program simply mm -hmm. because you are very passionate about teaching and educating people around you. Would you tell us more about the passion of teaching and how does it play a role in your YouTube channel and your brand new project for webinar? Uh, sure. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, yeah, it's a topic I'm passionate about. Um, I think that uh, I went to school um, I mentioned earlier, I went to a Hebrew school where in the morning until, you know, we would have from eight o'clock until lunch, which was around a quarter to one, we would have Hebrew, Judaic, uh, biblical kind of subjects. And then in the afternoon after lunch, we would have until 5.30 in the evening, um, the state curriculum, math, science, English, history, so on and so forth. Uh, and then after 5.30, we would have our sports or whatever uh, activities you wanted to be involved with. And that was really that way from the time I was little until I was 18. Uh, it was a school that went all the way in th until 12th grade. And while it was not always so much fun as a student uh, to be in school for that many hours, they were constantly talking to us about the importance of education and how you don't want to just be educated, but you want to be excellent in everything that you do. I think that uh, it's obvious that not everyone was created uh, with the same exact situation. Some people are put into an opportunity where they can have tutors. Some people are put into an opportunity where they have family members who are physicians. Uh, and some people are given really, really high IQ levels and some people their IQ is maybe not as high. But one thing that we can all do is work hard. And one thing that we can do is try to reach as much of our potential as we can. And I think one of the best ways to do that is through education. Uh, we're aware that you learn more by teaching than by listening. Uh, so anytime, you know, if I said, hey, you want to give a talk on spinal cord injury? So by you accepting that you're going to go give a talk on spinal cord injury, you're going to have no choice but to become a spinal cord injury lecture uh, expert. 
unless you want to embarrass yourself in front of people. Uh, so, you know, for that matter, um, our program, we have board review and we have to sign up for different topics. So, um, I chose to sign up for prosthetics uh, and amputation uh, because I don't really know that much about it and I need to know it for my board exam. So it's a good you know, way I have to study it so that I could teach it so that you know, I'll be able to do it. But that's just sort of the beginning of it. The other thing is that uh, the reality is most of the country uh, and probably the world, but I, you know, I can speak the United States only, is really not aware of PMNR. Uh, and doctors who are aware of PMNR, they really don't understand what it is that we do. And uh, patients certainly are not aware of it. Uh, and community members are not aware of it. And it became obvious to me while I was on certain rotations that we had family members. Uh, one of the saddest things was a family member who did not know, uh, did not understand brain, brain injury and their child had had a brain injury. Uh, and the injury did not just occur yesterday, the day before. It had happened weeks before and there was so little that they understood. So it became obvious to me that there is a problem in education uh, and I think it's occurring at all levels. It's occurring in school. Um, a, a med I learned about PMNR on my first day of medical school. Maybe I could have learned about PMNR as a undergrad, or maybe in high school I should have known about PMNR. I knew about orthopedics, I knew about cardiology, but I didn't know about PMNR. So uh, I say a lot of times when somebody has no idea what PMNR is, I say, then you're very lucky. Because in reality, the people nine out of 10 times that do know what PMNR is, is because they have someone in their family that had a really bad accident or can, you know, acquired or congenital disorder. So I think that we can change that. I think that we can do a lot of good. Um, there's so many different creative ways we can apply PMNR to address a lot of the issues in uh, healthcare as well as other areas in the United States, but it all starts with education. So that's sort of, uh, sort of where my passion is. Okay, I see. Um, and that's passion definitely gonna uh, play a big was play a big role in your uh, project, the phone webinar as well. Uh, so since we're on that topic of like educations and how that impact impact you to launch the website phone webinar, I just want to talk a little bit more about your website. Uh, so uh, I know that you have a whole YouTube video explaining all about uh, what exactly is phone webinar. But just in the short descriptions, how would you explain to our audience here what is from BMNR? Sure. Um, so yeah, uh, I've learned, like you mentioned, the the attention span of people are changing. I notice myself as I'm going through my phone. If there's a video that I want to watch, even if I'm enjoying it, I, I already flip through it, even if I liked it. I don't even know why. It's subconscious. We just are constantly processing through new things. I think that we can use that to our advantage in education instead of instead of just trying to combat it. There are a lot of great ways that we're learning uh, through podcasts such as this, uh, videos, um, journal articles that are now available online as well as written uh, question banks. We learn through uh, UWorld and ComBank and ComQuest in some ways better than we learn from any book we'll ever read. So what FOAM education stands for free open access medical education is being used heavily in the emergency medicine world, a bit in the critical care world, but uh, it's not really being used too significantly elsewhere. And essentially what it does is it seeks to um, address and organize all of the different ways that we can be educated nowadays through the various multimedia. And if we have a unified approach, then we can increase our conversation and our shared dialogue. So, uh, in a you know 15 second explanation if every PMNR doctor 
decided these are the podcasts to listen to. These are the journal articles. These are the websites. These are the Twitter accounts. We all decide to follow them. We all have a Twitter account. And when I'm seeing a patient, if I have a clinical question, I can step out into my office, send out a tweet asking about this issue. And within 10 seconds, I'll have answers uh, that will give evidence-based uh, resources quicker than up-to-date will. So that's sort of the understanding. Um, I think that uh, it's a little bit early in PM&R. Um, uh, phone PM&R is the first attempt at it at all. And there's a lot more that we can do and there's so many more derivations for it. But I think that in general, if I were to ask you, close your eyes and imagine um, what will medical education look like in 50 years from now? Or what will journals look like? I don't know if there will be any mail in 50 years from now, if something paper will be even delivered, maybe it will have computer chips in our brain and it'll be downloaded, I'm not sure. But I think that the foam education movement is the way things are moving. So it's uh, my attempt to get PM&R there and hopefully have PM&R lead, lead the FOMED movement, uh, try to do a number of things with the website that are innovative. So hopefully it'll be the other fields copying PM&R. Oh, okay. I see. Wow, that's a very innovative uh, thought that you have there for the uh, the goal as well as the, what you want to accomplish with Form PM&R. And uh, you must be also putting a lot of hard work in this project. And I bet that you face certain challenges with this project as well. Uh, could you elaborate in some difficulty that you face while working on Form PM&R, and how are you addressing it so far? Sure. Um, so uh, if I had to summarize all of it, it's education. Um, I did not receive education in how to build a website. I, you know, I was never educated in shooting videos, what camera to buy, how to get audio quality to be good, marketing, um, social media is constantly changing. Um, so there are uh, legal things, uh, business law, all, I mean, there's so much that you need to know if you want to do things properly. And if you want to be successful and you don't want to get into trouble, you have to do things properly. So the biggest barrier I would say is just that I was very inexperienced in all of these areas, uh, but um, slow and steady, you know, progress. The internet is a place where we have a lot of information at our fingertips. So uh, I tried to educate myself and then, um, you know, if there was a legal question, ask an attorney, a marketing question, ask somebody who's in marketing, uh, one thing that's really nice as a medical resident, and you know, I'm in my third year of residency. Uh, I have friend. If my friend's a lawyer, they've been practicing law for six years. If I have a friend that's an accountant, they've been doing accounting for nine years. So uh, medically, we take such a long time, but if we utilize our peers that have gone into other fields, you have really good resources at your fingertips. Okay, I see. Um... All right, uh, I see. I see. There, yeah, it's there are a lot of things that uh, can can stand your way. But uh, like you said, like earlier about the time, the relaxation time, the people miss mistake for that. You can use that to learn other things, so help, mm -hmm. especially the thing that they can help with the project as well. And in your case, you use it to improve the form being a, a form being a project that you have. Totally agree mm -hmm. with that. And um, so you already talked a little bit about the uh, uh, the vision for form BMNR. And uh, so I just wonder, uh, just a little bit, uh, a small question is, is there any like a possibility that you can make a phone beam into like an app, like for the app store? Yeah, um, definitely. Um, you know, one thing that was a learning experience for me was as I was designing the website and trying to make a website that would be intuitive based off of what the idea that it's supposed to accomplish. Uh, and so a lot of effort went into the design was, 
um, I realized that people in my, in my vision for how it's going to be used, people are going to be accessing it from their phone. And uh, you're not going to be, you know, a lot of times if, if you only, if you're using social media to arrive at it, if you're using Twitter with it, you're probably using it from your phone. If it's during the day in a clinical way, it's going to be from your phone. If it's listening to a podcast in the car or at the gym, it's from your phone. So that being the case, uh, the experience of transitioning it over to the mobile version, uh, I really have to put a lot of effort into that. And the next website that I design, I already decided that I'm going to start with mobile and then the desktop version will be an afterthought. Uh, but to your question, uh, I absolutely think that as an app, it would be uh, even more appropriate. Um, and uh, it's really just, a, you know, as soon as I feel that it's, it's, it's needed, you know, is when I'll, I'll put effort into it. There's so many different ways that I think, uh, and, you know, kind of like that thing I mentioned with uh, 30 to 50 year vision or 20 year vision or things move so fast. So even five years, um, it's kind of like just putting out fires, like which thing can I put my time in that is most urgent. So I definitely agree with that. Uh, and I hope that soon, you know, I'll need to make it. But, um, you know, I think that the you have to wait for the demand, I think. So yeah. uh, while it would be useful, I think um, it would obviously be a very uh, big uh, usage of time. Mm -hmm. um, so unless somebody out there listening knows how to make a good app, then reach out and we can make it happen quicker. Totally agree. But to me, the formula is very helpful and for all the information that you need out there. Totally agree with that. Oh, thank you. Um, so uh, let's just switch gear and talk a little bit about your YouTube channels. I know sure. it's a rel relatively new channel, but I already like the content that you uh, put out there. The video uh, you put up uh, short, concise, and to a point. So uh, you also invite your audience to contact you with any question as well. And I really like that. Um, same as with your phone beamer project, uh, would you give uh, another short description about your YouTube channels and the goal you want to accomplish with it? Sure. Um, so kind of how I mentioned that there have been family members that I noticed that were not um, knowledgeable about their own medical situation. If you have somebody that, you know, kind of like I, I said, if somebody has a PMNR related injury or disease pathology, somebody has a stroke, a brain injury, or spinal cord injury, think about all of the different people that that affects. Besides for the individual that had the injury, there's the family members, friends, community members. Then there's people that the person didn't even meet yet. Uh, someone down the road, a bus driver, someone online in a bank. Um, and it became so obvious to me that um, healthcare providers do not understand what PM&R doctors provide medically. And so obviously your everyday person who's not in healthcare is not gonna understand it. So my goal originally with the YouTube channel was just to provide uh, the same way that I would explain a condition to a patient or to a patient's family member to try to allow the general public to uh, become knowledgeable about that same piece of information, or if a patient's family member uh, needed to educate their friends and family, that it would be a quick and easy place where they could say, oh, um, you know, here's a video that will explain exactly kind of what's going on. Um, to my uh, surprise, uh, I guess, I don't know if surprise is the right word, but I, I guess I'm happy to see that it's sort of presenting itself as something important. And um, it's, uh, I'm getting messages from a lot of different people uh, asking different questions, um, providing feedback. So I think that um, it has an opportunity this, because um, PM&R is 
is newer than a lot of the other fields. And even though I feel like it's very old, the PM&R revival and energy, it seems to be a little new. Uh, we have in our medical school here um, plenty of first and second year medical students that are involved with our program and doing a lot of different things. So uh, I think that I only created it a couple months ago, but uh, I could see the possibility that um, uh, in a year from now, it might have expanded uh, pretty significantly. I would say I would say so too. Like with the content you put out there, that's definitely going to help a lot of people, the patient, the student, and as well other people look into the specialty uh, BMNR as well. Definitely, thank you for uh, making the, the the on the video there for, on your YouTube channel. Oh, thank you for the feedback. Yeah. Also, before the, this podcast, we had uh, quite interesting conversations uh, on the phone regarding this year COVID nineteen challenge that facing many medical students, like a fourth year medical student like myself. Uh, and applying uh, for residency, one of the issues that they are facing is getting the experience in BMNR and the experience working with different programs across the country. How would you approach this problem if you are in the shoes of a fourth year medical student right now? So uh, um, if I was a fourth year medical student, I would actually uh, the same way I kind of do some other things, I'll try to make this situation to my benefit. Um, I think we have to approach everything that way in life. It's, it's what we tell our patients after they have their injuries. It's, you know, uh, try to don't, you know, make lemonade, so to speak, out of, out of the lemon. So uh, what I would say is right now in PM&R specifically, uh, opportunities are booming left and right. There's new, uh, new initiatives opening, new, new Twitter accounts left and right. Uh, one, I will say, is get on Twitter uh, so you can see kind of what's going on in PM&R there because it's a totally, it's an entire world that if you're not participating in it, you will not know that it exists. Um, but uh, to that end, um, leave your mark on something and, and take something and make it your own. Uh, matching into residency, you know, I, I have not sat on an admissions panel for residency, so I can only give my estimated perception. Uh, but with the way the field is going and there's so much innovation, I would imagine that many, um, you know, there's lots of different types of residents that you want to have in your program and not everyone has to be the same. So be true to who you are, you know, be own your strengths, own your weaknesses and figure out what you contribute to a team. PM&R is a big team game. And so if that means that you are going to go out and start an organization that's going to help people on the other end of the world, then, start doing things like that, that can back up your vision. If it's, if not everyone does that, some people, they just want to be a good team player and there's nothing wrong with that and support what their school is doing and what their club is doing. That's totally fine to do that. And then just say that that's what you're doing and explain your vision of how you will be as a resident. So I think that there's so many different types of people. We don't have to be something that we're not understand who you are and then get involved now, you know, don't let the fact that you're in your living room, you know, learning from a laptop for two months change the impact you can make. I know myself, at least during the coronavirus period thus far, I have probably interacted with more people in the last three months than maybe I did in my entire life leading up to it from different things that I'm doing online. So uh, I guess to that end, you know, don't let, don't, don't let any closed doors be in front of you think creatively, but just be true to yourself in the process. 
Yeah, I, to I totally agree with you on that. The COVID situation has been like uh, a mess for a lot of people, but definitely like don't let be in the room like and uh, like like uh, a diff difficulty that uh, that that make you not able to access to other things. And definitely get on Twitter as well. Definitely agree with that. Um, so on the topic of Twitter, uh, thanks to BMNR Scholar, we got like a, the whole residency fair thing. And why I attend the residency, residency fair or the private Zoom meeting from different BMNR programs, it is only wise for students to ask questions in order to learn more about the program itself, especially for the person of finding a good fit program. Uh, what are your top three questions that you would highly recommend student ask a program for this purpose? Um, so when I was a resident, uh, a student, I should say, on the interview trail, um, every interview uh, and, and uh, every interview kind of has the same trajectory. Um, there are some unique differences and some outliers, but generally at the end of an interview, the person interviewing you is going to say, do you have any questions for me? Mm -hmm. And that's a, like, if you could freeze time right there, that is such a loaded situation. Uh, and there's so much like to analyze, you know, it's an, and, and the entire interview is designed for you to shine. So I don't mean it in a bad way. The, the person interviewing you, when you walk into the person's room, they, they're hoping that God's gift to PMNR is about to walk in, in front of them. So use it as an opportunity to shine. But that being the case, when it's time for you to ask a question, and I, and I think that there are sometimes people just ask questions just so they can be asking a question. The number one thing that, that I liked to ask in that situation was, uh, you know, every program is going to, you know, show their great resources and they're all, you know, the gyms are really good and the faculty is good and all these different things. But one thing that, is, that can be night and day in different programs is the program's culture. And culture can be totally different everywhere. And now more than ever, it's super important. It was always important, but it's even more important now. So I would ask the pro, you know, person interviewing me is, how, do you, how would you define your program's culture? And then you know, what makes your program unique in that way, uh, different than other programs? And you have to be careful the way you word that because obviously you don't want it to sound disrespectful. But hearing that allows you to hear what the, what the vision of the program is. So that's one. Uh, and then the other questions that kind of go hand in hand with that um, now during coronavirus, it's kind of like you asked me, what are some of the challenges that your program faced? I would say, what are some things that are going on in the program right now that are, that are not working out so well or that you still, you know, that are, that are problems? And it's okay for things, it's okay for there to be problems. There have to be problems. This is a, you know, an unprecedented pandemic. Uh, so, so, um, but I would want to hear, uh, kind of what the honesty is and what and how the problems are explained and then what are the what's the plan for moving through them uh so i guess that would kind of be the second question is how you know how do you um how do you want to move through this specifically focusing on again the cultural aspect to it we're not we don't know all the problems that are going to happen to us we don't know in two months from now we're going to have some situation in PMNR training as a downstream effect of coronavirus. But when you see how your program dealt with it, you'll that define, you know, how you, how you deal in, how you do in tough situations is a much better learning uh, example about a program than all of the wonderful accomplishments and scholarship they have on a perfect day.
And who's to say that the pandemic is not going to end and then something worse will come. So you're making a decision to invest in your, not only in your future, but for a few years of your life that are very important. So um, what is the program's uh, strategy for dealing with issues? How have they changed? Uh, what worked? What didn't work? There's a lot of things that didn't work. And uh, how, how do they acknowledge that? Our program is not afraid to say, we're sorry, we did this. That didn't end up being effective. Uh, we will try this instead now. Or do they listen to you? They, they listen to, do they listen to the residents? What do you guys want out of this situation? How would you guys go about it? So really just an approach to, to dealing with issues. Uh, I, I would focus on those areas. Totally, totally agree with all those questions that you, uh, you, you, you told us. And I definitely recommend uh, whoever watching this uh, video, especially medical students who wrote out a question and asked uh, the residency program. Um, so uh, this is probably a more pessimistic view for me, especially during the time of COVID right now. But as far as you know, what is the most common reason for people failing to match into BMNR? Um, so I'll be honest, uh, I matched into PMNR in 2018. It is now, the next cycle is going to be 2021. And when I was a fourth year medical student, uh, at, we were at a conference in Denver, the APMNR conference, and they had a, a panel discussion and there were residents, chief residents, fellows giving out the same exact information. And to be completely honest, the, in, the advice that was being given at that time by some of the more senior residents, I did not feel was good advice by, from some people. And it was well-meaning and educated, but maybe it would have been better the year before or two years before. Mm -hmm. PMNR is evolving and growing at such a rapid pace that uh, I don't think I'm the best person to answer why someone wouldn't match because it's changing rapidly. I mean, one year to the next, Numbers are changing, all different things. I still can give my guess uh, and my assessment, but I just wanted to give that sort of honest disclaimer. Um, that being the case, because uh, you know the, the numbers are going up, so of course, sort of like in other field, things get more competitive. Uh, and so uh, again, I have not sat on an admissions count you know committee, but it's sort, you know, I, I don't know if the reason is grades or scores. I, I don't know that it's that as much. What I, uh, what I do know is that, at least in my time, and it's probably the same, is did you show a genuine and sincere uh, energy and interest in PMNR? And I said energy before interest because uh, I think programs are looking for energy. So uh, I once heard, and this is not to say that this is the case or unanimous or across the board at all, but I once heard from a program chair, um, not at the University of Minnesota, this was elsewhere, that when they receive a CV uh, that uh, had any ortho um, evidence on it at all, they tear it up because they just assume that this is just another person that didn't get into ortho that wants to go into PMNR. So I'm not saying that that's the case. I'm not saying that's true. I'm not saying somebody that wanted to go into ortho shouldn't pursue PM&R, that you can't pursue PM&R. But I would just say in general, that's probably what it is. It's, uh, it's did you show it enough of an interest that, that we believe that this is what you want for your, you know, uh, and, and uh, to that end, it's tricky. And I hope sort of what I'm trying to accomplish will help that is there are people that just don't find out about PM&R very early on. 
or they don't have opportunities. Mm-hmm. I went to a medical school where we had a mandatory PM&R rotation. Mm-hmm. That was, I, I don't think there were many that were doing that at all. One thing that I'm doing now uh, through the YouTube channel is starting to make um, pre-med PM&R content and, and expand PM&R at the undergraduate level. Uh, you know, we can have our efforts to do outreach to first, second, third year, fourth year students, but I think it's time to get people informed about it at an earlier age. Uh, so that's how I would answer the question. Um, but I think it's probably different for everyone. Yeah, totally understandable. Yeah, and uh, totally agree with like you need to like so like energy and interest in. The BMR so to just so show the program that you're really willing to be in the field, not because of it's some backup or something like that. Definitely, I, I totally agree with you on that. And uh, so I know, and there you also mentioned that you're gonna uh, extend it to the uh, pre-med as well, and that's very uh, very good uh, idea because uh, uh, some undergraduate people ask me what I want to be like uh, for 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 like a specialty wise, and I mm-hmm. I uh, I told them a BMR, but they didn't know much about it and. I, I'm very glad that you're gonna make a more effort in in that. Explanation. Yeah, I I absolutely I think that you know sort of to sum up, um, I uh, I think that unless you have a specific specific passion such as delivering children, you know, delivering babies mm-hmm. or doing interventional cardiology procedures, uh, you know, that PMNR obviously is not going to do that for you. I think that if everybody really understood and knew enough about PMNR and had enough exposure to PMNR early on, I think that the entire medical school class would want to go into PMNR. Yeah. If and and people will tell you, you know, friends of mine who, you know, they didn't really know or understand it so much and now that we're a few years down the line in residency and they understand different things, the amount of people that wish they went into PMNR is really astounding. Mm-hmm. So, uh I think that um, educating people earlier on will will be important for that. Definitely. Well, uh, thank you so much for the arrangements. Uh I had a lot of fun doing this podcast. Oh, likewise. Uh, sorry for some uh, little bit te- te- technical difficulty difficulty along the way, but uh, uh, I really had fun with this. And I know that you're gonna have a live Q and A right after this podcast as well. So I'm not gonna like uh, use all of your time and let you prepare for that as well. But is there anything that we have not explored uh, that you would like to explore or discuss uh, that haven't brought up yet? Um, I think that, uh, you know, I think we, we did a good job. We talked about a lot, a lot of things. Um, there's certainly, you know, we could, we could talk about PM&R all day. I have a lot yeah, of, definitely. you know, yeah. ideas about it that mm-hmm. I think are, uh, are, are fun to talk about. Um, but if there's anything that anybody ever wants to know or has any questions, um, one thing that as of now, I try to do, uh, you know, with all of the different videos and things that I make and questions, um, I, I, and I'm by no means a celebrity, so I don't have like this problem of fan mail coming in, but I try to answer any question, uh, you know, with appropriate time, uh, you know, and, and energy towards the person who's answering that, asking that question. So if anyone has any questions about anything that we talked about or any other things, PM&R related, residency related, um, I think the process of choosing what field and what residency program you want to go into is super important. And I think there's so much misinformation. I think there's a lot of things that people think are important to look at. And, uh, you know, that I think would be an entirely different podcast, you know, about just like what to watch out for, things like that. You know, of course, being sensitive to not 
say anything inappropriate uh, about any particular program. But um, if anyone has any questions, please, you know, reach out to me uh, and I'll do my best to try to answer or point you to someone else who can answer. And uh, where can the audience uh, get in contact with you uh, in terms like uh, through Instagram or to and any any mean? Yeah. Uh, I actually think that Instagram and Twitter are better way of communicating than email or text or phone or anything. I think that just the, they're just intuitive. So uh, the easy thing is I have the same exact handle on both. So it's Dr. John Reisman, D-R-J-O-N-R-E-I-S-M-A-N. Uh, so Twitter, Instagram, either one. Uh, can my Both of those accounts receive direct messages. So I'd be more than happy to connect with anyone in those ways. Okay. All right. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Resmans, for uh, being here with us today for the podcast. And we learned a lot from uh, from you uh, about the BMNR field, as well as your project, as well as your uh, advice on the COVID-19 situation, situation right now for the medical students. And we are very uh, thankful for your insight. And uh, I hope that we can do another podcast again to talk about more things in the future. Oh, right. it'll be my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you so fun. much.